opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where our editors and reporters discuss the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is Chris Clow, editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily, which is part of the HW Media family of companies. Before we jump in, though, here is a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation. When you work with FGMC, you're more than a customer, you're a partner. From monthly webinars and trainings to our non-QM structure desk, our mortgage mavericks make it easy for you to be successful. We're standing by to confirm eligibility, help calculate bank statements and DTI, and evaluate credit. Reach out today. Maverick Solutions products are available through wholesale and non-delegated delivery. To access our partner resources or to submit a non-QM scenario, visit fgmc.com slash maverick. First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID 2917, 5800 Tennyson Parkway, Suite 450, Plano, Texas 75024. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, uh, our, our listeners may not be as familiar with you. So um, tell me, how long have you been at Reverse Mortgage Daily? Yeah. So um, I came on board RMD back when it was owned by its previous parent company, Aging Media, back at the end of uh, 2018 and have been covering pretty much the entirety of the reverse mortgage industry ever since. So I just passed my my third year very deeply steeped in reverse. And uh, then the publication was acquired this past summer by HW Media. And it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun to to incorporate and to sort of set a new course for RMD in a new era. Well, we have loved having you. And, you know, one of the reasons that HW Media acquired um, the assets of uh, Reverse Mortgage Daily was really because we see so much potential for this space. We know that baby boomers want to age in place. There was no silver tsunami that happened. You know, that was the buzzword of, of uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, where it's like, oh, there's just going to be this wave of people selling. That hasn't happened. People want to be in their homes. And we see this as a as a smart play for for many lenders, uh, for many people um, looking to help their borrowers throughout their lifetime. So we're excited for it. We uh, we love having the coverage that you provide, and and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is really talk about some of the things you're covering. So let's jump in with the story that you um, did yesterday about a Pennsylvania lawmaker who's targeting the reverse mortgage counseling in a new bill. And and this really goes to some of the heart of what's at reverse mortgage, which is the whole component of counseling borrowers. It's not, um, it's not the same as a forward mortgage. So maybe walk us through that process and also what, what you were reporting on in this story. Certainly. Yeah. So, um, and just in terms of counseling, uh, counseling is required by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development in order to try and make sure that a reverse mortgage and a homeowner that is seeking such a loan is a good fit. Um, so HUD requires a lot of the uh, parties that are generally interested in a reverse mortgage. So that obviously includes the primary borrower, but it also includes uh, potential guardians or conservators or 
uh, powers of attorney if a borrower is not deemed uh, competent to to provide insight on their own behalf. Um, and heirs are also oftentimes encouraged to attend. So really anybody that would be affected by the, the reverse mortgage transaction are encouraged to attend the counseling process uh, in order to discover all of the ways that such a transaction, such a relatively complicated financial instrument could interact with uh, certainly the borrowers, but also potentially the family's financial standing. Um, so there's actually right now only one state in the country that requires in-person counseling sessions, and that is uh, Massachusetts. And we have seen some uh, some pretty interesting interactions between that requirement and uh, the realities of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I wrote a story uh, last month about how uh, relief that allowed for phone and video counseling uh, expired in mid-December of, of 2021. And uh, the result of that is that reverse mortgage business in the state effectively stopped because seniors couldn't go to their counseling sessions. They're understandably still very anxious about uh, the realities presented by the pandemic, since at the time when the U.S. surpassed 800,000 deaths attributable to, to COVID-19, over 600,000 of those hit people 65 or older. And now that there's a more virulent strain of COVID-19 in the form of the Omicron variant, uh, seniors are still concerned, understandably so, and they are still at higher risk of, of developing severe illness and hospitalization. So uh, that has caused the situation in Massachusetts to be in flux, but also too, as a lot of people are probably aware, even though they're not uh, directly involved or even engaged with the reverse mortgage industry, it's a business that has reputational difficulties attached to it that are not present on the forward side. Uh, there was a reputation that the reverse mortgage industry developed, particularly around the financial crisis, that uh, made people really firmly believe that these are predatory loans, that uh, seniors don't know what they're getting into. And for the few instances in which that has directly resulted in a displacement, uh, you've had senior and consumer advocates who have jumped onto reverse mortgages and have tried to get them even more heavily regulated than they are. So in Pennsylvania, there's a long way to get to Pennsylvania, but to finally get to Pennsylvania, there is a lawmaker there uh, who's a part of the state house of representatives who is seeking to uh, gather sponsors for a bill that would similarly to Massachusetts require reverse mortgage counseling sessions to be made in person uh, in an effort to uh, potentially minimize the negative impacts that a reverse mortgage could have on someone who is not fully aware of what they're getting into. You know, the interesting thing is, um, you know, there, there was a time period where you could say that just like with forward mortgages, that, that there was abuse and uh, of, of the consumers in the process, but um, didn't the reverse mortgage industry have quite, you know, there was a legislative change. There was a, you know, regulatory change that that really has changed the game there. I mean, it is not the same product it was in, in 2009. It Honestly, since I came into the chair at RMD in late 2018, it has been a little difficult to keep up with all of the regulatory changes that have come to the home equity conversion mortgage product or the FHA sponsored variation of the reverse mortgage. Uh, there are 
oftentimes different rule changes that come based on the political priorities of whomever is in power. Uh, the previous administration tried to get certain reverse mortgage reforms finished, including a potential disallowance of Heckam to Heckam refinances. That would have required a legislative change on the part of Congress, but the administration uh, was voted out of office, so they weren't able to pursue that any further. But uh, in late 2017, there were also limits to uh, to, to PLFs and, and and, uh, loan officer compensation that severely limited the business that was being done in the industry and created a lot of reverberations that are still being felt today. And it's only really this past year, based on the FHA annual report to Congress at the end of 2021, that we saw the industry start to work its way out of that. And that's largely because of uh, record home price appreciation and uh, a lot of people trying to take advantage of lower rates to refinance their existing reverse mortgages into new ones. Um, so there has been so many changes to the to the reverse mortgage industry just in the past few years, just in the time that I've been covering the space, to say nothing of uh, the really transformative changes that have taken place in the program over the past decade plus. Well, exactly. I mean, in 2014, then there was a whole underwriting uh, change that happened where um, lenders had to then look at the ability of borrowers to to pay property taxes and homeowners insurance premiums. Right. So that was one of the one of the pitfalls uh, before that was that, yes, people um, this was a great product for some reasons. But if people were not if people were borrowing to the to the limit of what they had and they couldn't make the taxes and the homeowner's insurance payment, they were losing their house because of that. So, you know, changes have been put in this place, but I feel like so much of the things that um, reverse mortgage lenders are working against is that sort of the, the old idea of what a reverse mortgage is. And so a lot of your coverage is, you know, looking at what they're talking about and, and how they're battling that image. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whenever we have done uh, check-ins with lenders on a large scale, like in a survey format, for instance, uh, inevitably the lenders always tell us that uh, borrower education and even partner education is a top priority to try and expand their business over a coming year. Um, you've seen a lot of reverse mortgage professionals that have gotten more deeply involved in the financial planning side of the equation, where you have academic authority financial planners who have described a reverse mortgage as a potential path to avoid investment volatility. You can tap a reverse mortgage line of credit if the market goes down and, and it's always going to be there, unlike uh, a home equity line of credit, which can be taken away. Uh, kind of at the drop of the hat of whatever lending institution offers it. You can't do that with a reverse mortgage. So there are certainly strengths to the product that people of a certain financial situation would be well to at least consider. It's the consideration component that a lot of people don't even get to. And the industry is trying to change that. Uh, but that has led to this longstanding reputational problem that the industry has had where you will sometimes see legislators at the state or even at the federal level who might not be fully aware of all of the regulatory realities which govern the reverse mortgage program. So then they decide to uh, to, to go after it. And we've seen that several times where, you know, we've had this the internal uh, debate like, well, you know, this this person in Congress has has 
um, propose something, we're like, well, what's the, what's the impetus for that? What are the facts and the stats that they're using for that? And, and sometimes there's not a lot there, but you know, we don't have a dog in this fight in the sense of like, we're not reverse mortgage lenders. We don't have any investment in that, but, um, it is a really fascinating thing to cover because we see that, you know, this is a, an industry in flux. And since 2014, there have been all these changes, but yet many people, consumers and legislators are not aware of those changes. Certainly. And uh, and it's an ongoing struggle. Uh, I mean, struggle might be a little bit of a hyperbolic way of putting it, but the industry absolutely has a, uh, a dog in the fight when it comes to trying to get the word out about what the regulatory environment is like. The lenders will tell you, and even members of the Reverse Mortgage Trade Association will tell you that they think the level of regulation is appropriate. They think that by partnering with the federal government and to ensure that there are certain consumer protections in place, it only serves to further legitimize the product category. So you have a lot of longstanding reverse mortgage industry professionals who welcome uh, greater regulatory involvement on the part of of particularly the federal government. Um, But even then, and, and considering all of the progress that has been made in terms of trying to, uh, to, to further legitimize the product category in, in uh, the realm of regulation, it's still quite an uphill climb. And uh, that's where you see, like, uh, I think you're referring to something we saw last month where a, a congressman from California who has had no previous interactions with the reverse mortgage industry uh, put out a rather random press release that targeted a leading lender in the space because of a settlement that they got into with uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And it just seems like the language of the press release latched on to a lot of the public perceptions of what a reverse mortgage entails. And for the for lawmakers who have actually engaged with the industry, it was almost like he was living on another planet because it doesn't seem like he was as aware of because uh, he was a member of the Democratic Party. It doesn't seem like he was aware of the uh, the efforts that members of his own party have engaged in to try and make sure the reverse mortgage program is appropriately regulated. So it's a very interesting space to cover. I feel like the intersection between politics and this industry in particular is uh, is very high. So that always gives something to talk about, it seems. It is really interesting. So, you know, the the newest um, proposal that we see the Pennsylvania lawmaker making, one of the things that's interesting there is that she wants it to, um, she wants to make sure that uh, a person, uh, a senior can meet with a financial counselor in person before they even get to, you know, before the reverse mortgage even even happens. So can that be a, a counselor at the reverse mortgage company can that be an LO there a reverse LO or or not typically not the okay. the counseling authority that gets involved uh, is is by and large going to be a third party and they have to be certified by the Department of Housing and Urban Development in order to offer counseling services to a potential borrower uh, and that's just to ensure borrower protections you know to make sure that they're getting as much uh, objective information as they can before they decide whether or not to move forward with the loan. Um, I couldn't help but think when I looked at this representative's proposal in Pennsylvania, Representative Cephas, Morgan Cephas is her name. Uh, I wasn't sure if the, the language didn't indicate how aware she was of existing 
counseling requirements on the part of HUD. Uh, that doesn't mean that she isn't aware of those. It's very possible that she is, but there are already requirements that, uh, that dictate that a borrower has to go through a counseling process before they sign on the dotted line and they, and they close their loan. And this seems to instead indicate that uh, a borrower needs a face-to-face interaction. And granted, since it's a protected class of seniors, there I, I don't want to minimize it. There is merit to that argument. One of the problems that arose uh, in the industry, particularly after the onset of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic, is that by and large, reverse mortgage professionals are very, very invested in meeting their clients face-to-face. Uh, because it's a far more consultative process than uh, than a traditional mortgage loan. Uh, you have originators who really do oftentimes pride themselves on their ability to connect with a senior borrower on uh, on a more personal level, on a more consultative level than you will certainly get on the forward side. Uh, and naturally, the pandemic complicated that. Uh, and it required a lot of reverse mortgage professionals to have to pivot to the use of technology that they may not have often used before. One of the very first things I heard when I started this job is that the reverse mortgage is a kitchen table business uh, where an originator will go to into someone's home and talk with them and answer all of their questions as much as possible before they decide to proceed. And the pandemic naturally uh, threw a bit of a monkey wrench into the way that that works. So her argument just in terms of the necessity for person-to-person contact or face-to-face contact, there there is merit to that argument. However, the difficulties that have particularly been caused by the pandemic, where oftentimes there's a shortage of available HUD-approved counselors to to walk uh, borrowers through the full process, is limited. For instance, in Massachusetts, uh, people on the ground there, reverse mortgage professionals and counselors, told me that there are maybe a total of five full-time counselors who are equipped to offer wow, reverse mortgage that counseling. that is not very many. <laughs> to serve the entire state. And it's not a small state either, just in terms of population. And there, I think there are two part-time counselors in addition to that. So if you remove the ability for telephonic or video counseling, then those five to seven people have to drive literally all over a state if they want to be able to, uh, to, to offer a counseling certificate to a potential reverse mortgage borrower. And that just creates a raft of logistical problems, as you can imagine. Granted, Representative Cephas's proposal does offer exceptions in certain cases that would allow phone or video counseling. But um, again, you can't help but wonder how fully aware she is of some of the logistics in other states before she decided to to make this proposal. I think the other thing is, you know, we saw um, throughout the mortgage industry in in the forward space that the some of the things that were the flexibilities that were introduced during COVID, um, for instance, like on on appraisals, on on other things that um, didn't have to be done in person. What we've now seen now that we have that data looking at it is those loans did not perform any worse. So you wonder if, you know, if they can look at what happened that, you know, looking at the um, the non-in-person interviews and looking at, at you know, did, did we have this raft of terrible outcomes from that? Or can we look at that? You know, can they look at that and say, huh, this, you know, this actually worked pretty well. People were able to adjust to that 
um, when they had to, to adjust to not in person. Cause you know, to your point, I do think there's a lot of, um, benefit to that, but it's just like, if it's not safe and right now it, it's anyone's guess, what is safe <laughs> for older people, especially. Yeah. And, uh, and the appraisal issue touched reverse mortgages as well. Uh, early on in the pandemic, uh, the, uh, the Department of Housing and Urban Development issued a mortgagee letter that would allow for uh, both drive-by and desktop appraisals. Eventually, close to the end of the Trump administration, they actually took away the desktop appraisal option because they didn't feel that it was being used very much. But it's a valuable question, and it's a question that should be asked, especially for seniors who are more, uh, who are more prone to developing serious illness if they're exposed to COVID-19. Are you going to let a stranger into your house and 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 walk around and look pretty deeply into your home uh, while there's a pandemic going on? It's a, it's a natural question to want to raise. It doesn't seem like uh, the pandemic options that were made available on the reverse side in terms of appraisals negatively impacted things overall. It's just as I'm sure is the case on the forward side as well, like with counselors in Massachusetts, there's a shortage of appraisers. You know, all of the, uh, the the metamorphosis that we see taking place in the labor market at large is not sparing these critical housing services. And uh, and that creates their, their own sets of problems. You know, and, and uh, over this past year, I've asked several of the most successful uh, forward originators, hey, you know, as, as we look at, you know, it's, in a refi environment, people had huge volume, right? Now that we're, we're swing, swung pretty pretty far back to purchase, you know, is reverse something that you are considering? And one of the things is exactly what you're talking about, where they feel like the consultative process really means that the person, the the LO at a reverse is is a different person sometimes than the person who's been really successful as a, as a forward LO. Uh, you know, that consultative process, the, the longer timeline maybe that you have with a borrower who's considering something that, yes, everyone buying a home, it's like we always say, you know, one of the biggest financial decisions of their lives. But the reverse, it's even it's even more complicated in some ways. And you might have to, you know, families involved. And and so I do think that the the whole process is more um, it is just a different animal, or at least that's what they told me. They were like, you know, they were interested in reverse, but they're also like, I would have to hire people just reverse. They didn't see that their current forward LOs would be very successful in reverse. Yeah. You touch on a, on a rather longstanding debate in the reverse mortgage industry, actually, where multi-channel lenders who operate on both sides of the business uh, have to ask themselves, what is the most efficient use of our resources? Do we establish a reverse mortgage training program for our existing forward loan officers, or do we just go and try and hire people who are dedicated only to that side of the business? And uh, it's actually kind of varied. Like you have certain lenders who, uh, for instance, C2, one of the biggest brokers in the country, uh, they have a reverse mortgage training and certification program that uh, that is directly involved with the concept of actually taking a forward officer and 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 flipping them to reverse uh, so that they can offer both. But you also have certain reverse mortgage professionals who are so dedicated and so dialed into the idea of keeping things separate that they really believe that that is a that is of paramount importance in terms of their ability to do business effectively on both sides. You will find very few. If you talk to any reverse mortgage loan officer, chances are 
the majority of them will be able to do a forward loan, no problem. It's not the same when you look at the other direction. And uh, you have to have a lot of very specific dedication and most importantly, patience uh, to be able to walk through that consultative process at the speed that is appropriate for a particular borrower. Because you, your borrower can run the, run the gamut in terms of a HECM from 62 on the low end up into their 80s or 90s. And there's a whole lot of uh, cognitive variation that could come with that, different caregivers that could be involved with that or children or varying levels of involvement from other members of family. Uh, so it is a very much its own animal. And it's really interesting to me always to see what a lender is doing to try and be able to serve both sides forward and reverse as effectively as they can. What are some of the uh, companies who are doing both? I know Fairway uh, Fairway Independent Mortgage has uh, has a forward and reverse shop. Uh, They have a very long, large footprint. Uh, Primary residential mortgage. Uh, they just established their own dedicated reverse mortgage center in Minnesota, I believe, but they also have a, a pretty longstanding uh, forward presence as well before they were brought into the fold of reverse. Uh, I, last I heard, I believe that AAG still actually has a forward mortgage division, although they're the reverse mortgage industry leader. Um And it seems like more reverse lenders, particularly a few years ago, were interested in actually setting up forward shops when it looked like reverse was kind of on a downward trend. That has kind of stopped, at least for the time being. But uh, there there are several players and a ton of brokers who are uh, are active in both. And Open Mortgage as well. I've, I've neglected to mention, but Open Mortgage, based out of Austin, Texas, they are very active in both and they're a top 10 lender in reverse. Really interesting. Well, let's talk about one of the stories that you wrote about a, a reverse mortgage lender in Canada who surpassed a billion in originations in 2021. Um, we, we've done we've done some stories on HousingWire on individual um, originators who have a team, but those individual originators who, who got to a billion in in origination in one year. So talk about this lender. So this is a, this is not an individual, right? This is home equity bank to Canadian federal bank, but talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So home equity, it's, it's really interesting because the reverse mortgage space in Canada in some respects is very different. The products are generally pretty similar, but the landscape of the way that the, that the business operates in Canada is much, much smaller because there's really only three reverse mortgage providers that are active in Canada and home equity bank is far and away the, the most longstanding and they're the, they're the industry leader up there. Uh, so they passed $1 billion in origination, a pretty sizable increase. I think it was nearly a third of an increase compared to 2020. And, uh, uh, they have really garnered a lot of attention, even from American reverse mortgage practitioners, because they take such a novel approach to the way that they approach uh, marketing. Uh, their marketing practices have included TV advertisements that really garnered a lot of attention from the American industry when they presented a couple of the ads at a uh, at a national meeting for the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association. It was their big annual meeting in 
I believe it was Nashville in 2019. And they presented a couple of ads and they're just hilarious. They're, they're actually really funny and they are really aimed at, uh, at senior empowerment and trying to, uh, look at older people differently than I guess, conventional popular culture often characterizes them, you know, as, as, uh, as weak or with some sort of diminished capacity, uh, home equity bank and their marketing materials really tries to, to go in a different direction. So the fact that they announced this, it was a little bit surprising just because as far as I know, they had never reached a, a billion dollar Canadian threshold before, which is just under $800 million in us dollars. But, uh, it was a it was a pretty sizable move, and I can't help but think that it's largely because they have really tried to reorient uh, the conception of a senior's sense of self into something that you know, staying in your own home for as long as you can and making sure that it is your home and it's something that you have valued is something that they really try to push to the front of mind for all of their clients. And it's a very novel approach, especially when you look at uh, traditional television advertising that has governed the reverse mortgage industry here. Well, and I think that that's actually one of the first things people think of when, you know, they think of reverse uh, and, and maybe some of the negative things is they're like, oh, you're, you know, you're hitting seniors late at night with these with these ads that are misleading, which I, I really, as we've said, there have been a lot of changes in even the, the product since 2014, but also in the ads. But it is one of those things that just sticks with people. So really interesting to see them kind of turn that on its head and, and use advertising in a way that um, maybe not only you know, help seniors decide that, but helps their families, which I think is, is one of the keys in this market is that you have to sell more than one person. Yeah. And I think a humorous approach is something that is important because it's not like someone's sense of humor dies when they turn 62. Right. I mean, it's, uh, they also have, have solicited the input of certain, they use celebrity spokespeople, but to a far lesser degree than you see in the American industry, uh, like Kurt Browning, an Olympic figure or an Olympic skater in Canada served as a, as a spokesman for them. They also enlisted uh, Frank W. Abagnale Jr., who's an American. He was a former fraudster who was the focus of, uh, of an, a, a movie called Catch Me If You Can from Steven Spielberg. That was oh, yeah. That's really funny that they used him. Yeah, he he. Uh, he has since become uh, a professional in terms of spotting fraud. And for Home Equity Bank, he led a series of videos to try and educate Canadian seniors about how to avoid certain scams. So it's a really novel approach to uh, to communicating with the demographic. And even uh, Ivan Giametsky, who is the, uh, the EVP of marketing for Home Equity Bank, she talked to me a while ago about how they're really trying to retire the word senior from their descriptions of older, older Canadians and older people in general. And, uh, so they really have messaging, um, at the forefront of a lot of their efforts. And it seems very much to be resonating with, uh, with Canadians. You know, that is so interesting. So I am, uh, I'm, it depends on how you define senior, whether I'm a senior or not. I, I, I will say I'm not yet ready. Uh, I don't qualify yet for reverse mortgage, but I'm, <laughs> I'm headed there fast. Right. Um, and I do think that the marketing for that should, should change. Right. It's just, it's just interesting. Um, well, Chris, thank you so much for sitting down today and talking through reverse. We're going to be, um, you know, checking in with you every couple of weeks to find out what's happening in the reverse space, but really interesting. And we will, I know, 
you're going to be keeping your eye on, on what's going to happen in Massachusetts if that gets passed. And then also, um, oh, I'm sorry, in Pennsylvania, right? It's already a, a, a law in Massachusetts. And then what happens in Massachusetts as far as, you know, the, the in-person requirements. So we appreciate you so much. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and with, uh, with the HWD audience. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we will be uh, checking in with you again soon. Great. Thanks. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great weekend. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk each and every day. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. We'll see you back here on Monday.